Electricast. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save $1 each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of introducing special guest Zen Benefield to the show today. Zen is a possibilities coagulator, socially mediated extrovert, transformational life coach, a transitional leader, and a virtual do-gooder. He was adopted six years after birth, beginning life as an orphan and reconnected with his birth mother in 2019. A near-death experience in college further enhanced his quest for identity. Zen speaks and writes on a wide variety of topics with humor, intelligence, and wisdom. His passion and purpose is to help facilitate a new world order of harmony among people and planet. He founded the Dream LLC in 1988 to incorporate a holistic approach to personal and professional development. Zen's professional activity includes a plethora of passions, an author many times over, a blogger on several websites, a motivational speaker, an organizational development consultant, a construction partnering facilitator, an event producer, a transformational life coach, a business and self-improvement workshop leader, and webmeister. Zen has over 30 years of service spanning many industries and interests, including aerospace manufacturing, education and instruction, large construction projects, peer advisory groups, theater, and television. In the early 90s, he produced and hosted over 100 One World TV shows featuring a wide variety of guests who discussed encountering and overcoming fears on the way to success. Zen became his moniker during production of the show. Educationally, Zen qualifies as a Phoenix, number 671, with a BS in business administration, an MBA in project management, an MA in organizational management, a secondary teaching certification from the University of Phoenix, and an emergency certification for special education from the Arizona Department of Education. Zen has professional certifications as a transformational life coach and hypnotherapist from the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts. Zen has crafted and delivered high school and college curriculum. He is a contactee or experiencer since childhood in rural Indiana, something not too many admit privately, let alone 
acknowledge publicly. Zender the Barbarian series was his first writing of the details, a 10-year process in the making. Zen has a particular passion for intertwining the practical and profound, exploring the depths of consciousness, cosmology, science, and spirituality as a lifelong passion. He crafted Mothership Cafe, curates ufology press, facilitates discussions, and speaks about star family encounters on many levels. Zen developed planetarycitizens.net to showcase activists, collaborative alliances, and world servers across multiple dimensions of global activity. His long-term project includes Spectrum Academy, a model peer community for challenged teens and young adults, and Independence Arizona, a potential for making sense of common situations politically. His clients include peer advisory board leaders, entrepreneurs, and solopreneurs in a variety of markets. Zen demonstrates that there's an invitation for our civilization and human intelligence to evolve by showing his personal experiences of interacting with advanced intelligence and his lifetime exploration of human nature, cosmology, ufology, and the modalities of experiencing the paranormal powers with like-minded people. Zen lives in Arizona with his wife, Luba, who emigrated from St. Petersburg, Russia at the age of 20. It's a great pleasure. I welcome Zen to the show. Welcome to the show, Zen. How are you? Well, thanks, Jason. What a great introduction, man. Um, great to be here. You know, when we started talking last week before we did the interview today, I, I have to say I was fascinated by the conversation we had then. I feel like we could have recorded that and made that a prior episode. Uh, indeed. Uh, based on the flow of the information and the exchange of stuff that just happened to go back and forth. And before we start, I'll just tell you You're, my... Let, let me add to that a little bit. You're a pretty sharp guy, Jason. <laughs> Thank you. Right. I appreciate that. I want to tell you outright that I do believe in UFOs. I believe that we have been visited regularly. And I've actually had the experience myself of witnessing my own UFO twice so far. One time I was actually stargazing with my best friend, Megan, in Tampa, outside of Tampa here about two or three years ago. And mm -hmm. I got to see a UFO do it uh, 390 degree angles in the air, midair, did 390 degree angles. And it amazed me to see that firsthand. I was actually like one of those surreal moments. Like, is this really happening to me right now? Is this really happening? I can't believe it. Oh, isn't so, that, you know, when, when you witness something and you know it's from an unknown source and, and yet here it is and you're watching it and it just creates this almost an effervescent feeling inside. Yes. Right? That awe. And it's amazing to, to go through that and experience that. It's a really amazing thing. And so... Starting on our, our interview today, I want to ask you, and I know you're going to probably laugh when I ask this question. Are we alone? You're right. I will. No, haven't been. Don't know that we ever were. We just weren't aware of it. I had a, a great friend. It just came to mind that as you were talking that um, he was a United Methodist minister, actually. His name was Milton Nothdurft. And uh, I met him here in Arizona and a great guy that, um, he was uh, actually at the original contactee group that Brand, Brad Steiger was part of in the Midwest. And what was interesting is that, uh, of course, Milton being a, met, a minister, he'd gone through the Bible and found all the references to UFOs and actually wrote a book about them. And he traveled around the country, had all kinds of photographs from different people that he showed me that were just amazing. Right. Stuff you, that you wouldn't see. And I, I have to say that I have been so fortunate that, and it's got to be some kind of quantum entanglement that I live in that brings me into the presence of these different people who have these things and, and shared experiences and things that we can talk about. Um, especially, you know, for me, it, it started really young and uh, I was set up, you know, people talk about, well, is there fate, is there destiny or you know, is it all free will? Is it just coincidence or synchronicity and blah, blah, blah. From my experience, we're set up. We just don't realize it. And when you acquiesce to that or you keep asking the questions to dig deep and find out more, the more apparent it becomes. I I was set up. I was orphaned at birth and then adopted early. And then four year, four, almost four and a half years later, my adoptive sister comes along. And so my parents decide that it's time to tell me that I was adopted, right? Because there was <laughs> no segue in between. And uh, 
bless her heart. I, I love my sister. Um, so that when they told me, it, it gave me, uh, even that, that young, I started questioning, you know, um, why? What happened to my real parents? Do I have parents above, right? And because and, I was attending Sunday school, we were actually members of the United Methodist Church at that time, speaking of. Um, and so having those kinds of questions and things really started me um, off right, I suppose. Uh, about, oh, maybe three months after that, I'm standing on the landing of our, uh, we've got a two-story house in rural town, Midwest. Um, and I'm looking out over the window that looks over the front porch. It's dark. And, uh, and I've got my hands and my chins waiting for my dad to come home from the store. All of a sudden, I hear this big booming voice. I still can't go that deep. It says, hey, you. And rather than engage it, didn't I wasn't frightened, right? I spun around to see if my mother heard it. And I asked her, I said, mom, you hear that voice? She goes, no, what voice? I said, that voice says, hey, you. She goes, no, <laughs> you know. The typical parent brush off, right? Must have been a peeping Tom or something like that. And I knew I heard it. And so there was something else. Then from that point on, I started standing in front of windows at night with the lights on inside because you can't see out. And this is how I dealt with the fear of the unknown. I projected that, hey, you out telepathically. And I'd stand there and wait for it to come back. And it took me a while to get centered Right. To not have my mind thinking about, well, when is, when's it going to come back? And, you know, all the impatient stuff that a kid goes through. It eventually did. So I started this exchange energetically and learned that, wow, you know, there really there's nothing to fear out there. It's all yeah. cool. Right. Um, so then a few, few years later, we moved into another house. I'd had plenty of a bunch of out of body experiences. And then one night I wake up in the corner of my bedroom looking at my physical body in bed and I watch it get up, open my window, climb out. And so I, you know, go through the wall and I'm, and I walk across the neighbor's backyard to this uh, 10 acre pasture that had the fence around it. And I climb the fence and I'm walking out into the field and I start to rise up into the air and I look up in the air and I see this huge orange cigar shaped cloud that's got to be at least a half mile long. And so I'm watching myself rise up. And then as I get closer to the cloud and, and start to go into it, the part of me that's observing everything unites with my body. And I go into the cloud and I wake up in bed the next morning and I couldn't wait to go back. I felt like, you know, this was a family I'd I hadn't known and I felt so alive and just couldn't wait to go back. Well, those kinds of experiences happen for a couple of years, about once, maybe twice a month. And I would still not, you know, I'd wake up, couldn't wait to go back. Sometimes I'd wake up with nosebleeds. Um, and it was just, uh, didn't think about it being a UFO at the time. That wasn't until I was 23 getting ready to move to Phoenix and I'm walking through a bookstore in Muncie, Indiana, and this book falls off the shelf in front of me and probably 10, 12 feet in front of me, nobody else around. And so, right. So I walk over and so I, convenient, right? It just happens uh, to fall right yeah, there. It's like, okay, it here it is. Pluck. And this is how stuff works. Right. Um, Cause there are everything's space. And when you know how to work with it, you can move matter. And so the folks from up there have a greater idea of how to move matter than we do. And so they kind of place things in our path. Well, this book turned out to be, I, I walked over and picked it up. It was Ruth Montgomery's Strangers Among Us. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. So I turned it over to the page that was open. And the first paragraph paraphrased said, uh, the most common contactee experiences in the Midwest during the late 50s and early 60s was the orange cigar shaped cloud right and so at that point i went whoa what year is this that was 1981 okay okay i just want to know context in your life yeah. where you are because i know you've uh, done amazing things and you know 
So yeah, I mean, time date stamps, right? Um, so what? There was another event that happened in between that where I, I was in college at Ball State University, also in Muncie, and I hit my knees and I prayed to know what truth was. I was really in this tumultuous state, you know, uh, first year in college. I was in the pre-med program and I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I, I hit my knees and I asked to know what truth was. Now, truth to me was understanding my form, fit and function in the world to some degree. Right. So following week, I come back from class on Tuesday afternoon. It was November 11th, 1975. And I do the obligatory bong hit and album side meditation, right? It was the seventies, right? So certainly not enough to uh, have affected me in a way to where I would hallucinate. However, I was listening to Journey's first album and in between the vocals and the vamp, this voice that I established communication with asked me by name, are you willing to die for what you believe in? And I just, you know, for a moment, just clamped shut. And then I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Um, Christ consciousness feels a little empty. Didn't question it. And I went on to cosmic consciousness and I said, yes, because it felt full. And at that point, the guitar riff comes up. I leave my body. I feel a tug at my solar plexus. And I turn to look at my body laying across my dorm room bed and turn back to look where I'm going. And I'm immediately engulfed by white light. The purest, you know, this effervescent, iridescent, really high-pitched sensation. And I could also still think because I was analyzing things as I went. So I knew I was thinking and therefore could not be dead. So stayed there for a little bit, got bored because all it was was white light. Asked if there was more, went into a sphere of pimp. You got bored of a near-death experience? I've never heard anyone say that before. Well, it, it, consider, I was 18 years old, right? Yeah, and, no, I'm just saying. I had plenty of, of inner experiences, and this was just pure white light. There was nothing else there, right? There was no other visuals or things to engage, and I knew I could think. I knew there was something there, and so I asked if there was more, something that I might be able to see and engage, right? So I feel a slight movement, and I'm in this. Uh, indigo background with points of light around me. And I know the points of light are points of consciousness, but whether in body or not, I'm not sure because I know I'm not. And then the voice picks back up again and says, these are those that you're to work with in order to facilitate a new world order. It will happen in your lifetime. Know this to be true. Uh, your path will be full of trials and tribulations. Understatement. <laughs> Have faith and trust that everything you need will be there at its appointed time trust and allow. And on the allow, I felt another rush of energy and I'm back in my body taking a gulp of air. Well, the, the one thing that I took away from that initially was that we are cosmic consciousness condensed into form, right? Didn't know exactly how it all worked or, and, you know, all the mechanisms and the where for, whereas and where for alls and, and um, where art thou's. Um, and, and yet it was undeniable. Right. So I my questions out of that were how, what do I need to do to prepare and how can I explain this to others? Because I'm not um, I don't want to give the impression that I'm the one because that's not what it was about. I was helped to help facilitate. Right. And unfortunately, whenever I shared that experience, people didn't hear facilitate. They just thought I was some whacked out kid on drugs. <laughs> right. Um, fortunately, I had a psychologist my parents sent me to that after the third visit. He says, you know, you're not crazy. You've had a spiritual awakening from what I can tell. Why so young? I don't know. Most That's... people will go through it till the mid 40s if they ever do. And um, my advice to you is just don't talk to anybody. You know what? It's interesting you say spiritual awakening, that there's actually a psychologist you worked with, a counselor who identified it as such, because most would not. What a guy. I told you. Right. I mean, set up. All the way, because a year and a half later, I hadn't kept my mouth shut. And I did some really <clears throat> silly, stupid things. Bought a set of drums and, and had to move out of the dorm. Found a house to live. Didn't tell my parents. Middle of winter. No heat. No running water. Uh, deplorable conditions. I was just stupid for doing it all. But yet I did it. And so one night, uh, I well, one morning I woke up at 77 below zero. I hitchhiked into the school. 
that night, I didn't have any way to get back home because my car had been ran off the road, so it was unavailable, and uh, knocked on a frat house door. Now, I had long hair and a beard. Frat houses generally have a bunch of jocks, short hairs, you know, academic types, if that. And um, <laughs> what was weird is that a friend opened the door. I was a guy that I had uh, statistics class with. And, you know, he says, what the hell are you doing? And I said, I'm just looking for a place to stay warm for the night. Right. And I'll figure shit out in the morning. And so I went in and, and uh, was there for a few hours. And another guy saw me and didn't like me and uh, physically accosted me. Uh, so I basically I got beat up. Campus police was called. I ended up in the hospital. My dad showed up and then uh, instead of taking me home, he says, no, I think you ought to stay here for a little bit. And I'm like, mm, possible concussion, right? Blow to the head because mm. it was hard. And uh, I figured, you know, overnight observation. Yeah, I'm cool with that. And two orderlies walk up, escort me to the elevator, take me up to the seventh floor. And this large black guy, you know, stands up from a chair he was sitting in and grabs a wad of keys off his belt and says, oh, got another one for me, huh? And at that point, I realized, oops, you know, I'm, here's the psych ward. Oh, wow. So I was there for six weeks and, and they had me on uh, 2,000 micrograms of Thorazine a day. Wow. I was how, did you, to, hmm? how, did you, how did you get out of that situation? Like what got you through that? Well, eventually I told the doc what he wanted to hear. I stopped trying to talk about my honest truth. Reality. Yeah. And uh, so three weeks in and uh, I told him what he wanted to hear. And all of a sudden, miracle cure. And they started weaning me off the Thorazine. Now, I never spent time as a lump in the corner, which is what that kind of dosage should have done. I was up playing ping pong. So they couldn't figure out, you know, <laughs> what did you, what did you, what did you learn during that period of time when you were, you know, going through that experience? What, what did you learn from it? Well, a few things, but be careful who you talk to mm-hmm. and what you say. Uh, I also learned that there were others there in similar situations that I had so much compassion for because they didn't deserve to be there. They were having the same kind of experience as I was, didn't know how to deal with it. And this is a Midwest. There, there's nothing around, no one, no guides, no metaphysicians at the time, right? And the clinical psychology side of things or psychiatry were all DSM-4 oriented, which is the manual that they use for diagnosis, right? They look up all the symptoms. And I was labeled as a manic depressive paranoid schizophrenic. Those are labels that are, I mean, debilitating for people to live with. In this well, system. yeah. Why would you want to label somebody like that? No. Um, and I found it, you know, I wasn't, honestly. You know, when you hear those labels, that's why mental health awareness is so important for me with my show, because I feel like people need to understand that when you deal with mental health issues, it's just like having diabetes or having some type of a physical condition of the body. And I know that our experts don't understand spirituality within the context of mental health. So Not when yet. someone's experiencing... I think when someone experiences a spiritual awakening, for example, I had a guest on my show two years ago that talked about a spiritual awakening he had where his wife tried to, did actually get him committed to an institution and he had to get himself out of it because it's a, it's the line between a spiritual awakening for somebody. And, and when you look at it from the DSM four kind of point of view, I believe that most people have spiritual awakenings will probably fall on that spectrum on some level to be diagnosed with some kind of, absolutely, right. Absolutely. Because from their perspective, Right. They're looking through that lens. Yes, I know. It's, it's a very narrow lens. And so all of the things, you know, when, when you're excited and, and you have all these things going on, you're going to appear to be manic. Right. And you're not really. You've just got this incitement, excitement that's bubbling up inside of you that you don't know what to do with. And so you try to share it with people and you seem manic about it because you're so excited. So excited. You found and, out and something it's so shareable. Right. Or ought to be. Right. So, yeah, uh, you're right, you know, and, and it depends on the lens and, and whether it's disorder or dad order, you know, it, it's order. And there's a different one that's available that you a lens that you can look through today, especially with all the things that have taken place and the rise in, in the 
uh, I don't know whether you want to call it new age stuff or not. That's probably the most common label. Yes. It honors those kinds of experiences. And there are many worlds that even here on the earth, there are many worlds, right? Now, even out there, there are, you know, when you consider the elect the electromagnetic spectrum, there's already the beta, delta, data, gamma, um, brain waves and, and radio waves and, and all those kinds of things that are noted throughout that electromagnetic spectrum. Well, what if each one of those sets of bandwidth, if you will, had a, had a purpose, had a consciousness, had a, um, a direction, or even had beings inhabiting it, right? That had rose to those, arisen to those levels of consciousness where they were what we might call ascended masters, right? Um, you know, whether they're ETs or ascended masters, they reach the consciousness and, and the awareness where they know that nothingness, which is what Wilbert Smith said was their basis. Uh, Wilbert Smith was the uh, director for project management, with which was Canada's UFO investigation program in the 1950s. He actually had contact and wrote about it. And one of the things they said was, we don't understand nothingness, right? And so when you understand that, that's that's nothingness, right? You create from that place. Interesting. So your awareness produces your reality. Fill so, in the blanks. I'm sorry? Your awareness fills in the blanks for you, basically. Right. How I see it. And as you ask questions, you gain awareness, right? Because you understand it. And today, even quantum physics is echoing what many have called living in spirit, right? Because it includes all the synchronicities and, and the contacts and, and uh, the quantum entanglement that we live in. That's our awareness, you know, the, the oneness. And so there's many aspects of that. It doesn't necessarily change the division of labor on the planet, right? Because we still need stuff done. Yes. That just it's, it imbues it with a different awareness and reverence for the life that we are living and the sharing of our planet and, and others. Right. And we just haven't got that yet. Let me I ask think. you this. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'll uh, ask you this. Oh, out, please, of interrupt. Out, out of curiosity. I, I, I know you have a wealth of broad experience with this. You've made it your lifelong passion. And so there might be people listening in the audience right now that they they think of UFOs, they'll watch you know, ancient aliens, they'll put on like South Park and see some crazy anecdote about alien life. Or, you know, most of us have a pop culture point of reference, so non-exact. Non sure. And here's a silly question I'll ask, but I, wanna, I want you to entertain for a minute for our audience. Based on your knowledge of intelligent life in the universe, that is in our us, right? Would you, if you were to use a pop culture reference, would you think that there's more people like more, more intelligent life, like E.T. the movie, Men in Black the movie, or Independence Day? Do you think they're, they're here to destroy us, work with us, or help us? Oh, they're definitely here to, to destroy us. Uh, um, and I don't know that any of those three references would really do justice. Okay. That's what I want to ask you is like, what is your perception of this um, compared to say someone who's immersed in what's a rival? I think a rival. Okay. Would be more uh, fitting because when you understand the laws of the universe, which is what it takes in order to travel the stars or dimensions or whatever it is, there is no way you can be malevolent. Just absolutely no way. Now, we I love don't to hear that. that. I we, love to hear that from you, though. That's reassuring. And, and it also sounds insane to most people because they're steeped in the polarity consciousness. I am not steeped in that. So that's why I love to hear that, because to <laughs> me, that makes sense. It makes sense that you, if you're, if you're going to evolve to the point where you can cross the, the spectrum and go from one universe, to, you know, from one side of the universe to the other, I would hope. That if you evolve on that level, then spiritually you've evolved where you don't look at competition and conquest as your, your modus operandi, right? No, it's more about collaboration at that point. Collaboration and probably wanting to change things for the universe for good for all, be a force of good. And, and free will is not affected. So in other words, 
there's a bunch of planets out there just like us that have people still warring and they don't understand how to share a planet or that the planet actually has its own consciousness and is part of a network of conscious planetary bodies. Where do we fall on that? Right. Well, Kardashev um, created a scale, the type one, type two and type three civilizations. Type one is one that can manage this weather and creates their energy from natural resources. And that doesn't mean fossil fuels. That means sun, wind, water, and um, energy that's available like Tesla did, right? And type two utilizes the energy of the solar system. Type three utilizes the energy of the galaxy. Wow. Now, on on that level, we're probably and maybe a 0.1, 0.2, because we do have some wind, water, um, solar um, types of technology available. Uh, we're trying to control the, the weather with HARP. Um, it's not a destructive thing. Chemtrails were originally designed to help protect us from cosmic rays. Now, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories around it, and some of them may be true because we didn't really check to see what the substances might do if fingering in the atmosphere, right? They were just trying to protect us. And, and as with any science or, or um, minds that haven't advanced enough to really have that, okay, let's study it for a while and look at what might happen, right? So you have, in, um, you have unintended consequences, and they sometimes it can be catastrophic, right? But the the intention is not to control people or have those filaments get in your mind so that they use mind control stuff. That's not it at all. Yeah. Right. Um, so there is even with now with the the plan the pandemic and the fallacious narrative that's happening with it. Um, the intention is to really try to help humanity even though the ways they're doing it seems rather barbaric, right? But this is the history of how uh, populations have been manipulated. Um, Howard Bloom writes a, a, wrote a great book called The Lucifer Principle. It's not about Lucifer. Uh, it is about how the scientific study of how a few people have manipulated masses throughout history by telling the same story, outright lies, over and over and over again, until it's believed to be true. Mm -mm -mm. And so when you have a managed medium and media that delivers this message to unsuspecting people who want to believe, because they want to trust, that's our natural inclinations. We want to trust. And so, because we don't want to take responsibility, right? So we want to believe what other people are telling us and, and follow that. And, and many have, bless their hearts, um, some to their detriment already. So we have to see this. Klaus Schwab wrote a book called COVID-19, The Great Reset. And in that, he asked two questions. Can we be caring and concerned, caring and compassionate toward each other coming out of COVID? And can businesses be agile in how they need to shift? Well, here and again, you know, even with this um, disparity between populations and the masks and non-masks, the vax and non-vax and all that kind of stuff, we still have to learn to get along. Exactly. Right. So those things cannot get in the way of our ability to negotiate a better life with each other. Right. So we and we uh, have capability. You know, look, looking at everything that you're discussing today from being an experiencer and having the actual contact yourself and knowing that that was something that you've encountered your whole life and just having all the trials and tribulations that you've talked about. And I kind of like, inside myself, like laughed a little bit when I heard that, because I'll say this, if they're looking at you to help to create or bring about or facilitate a new world order, wouldn't they want to give you less of a rocky road between point A and point B to help you facilitate that? I'm making a joke. Of course, the universe knows. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I get pissed off at sometimes. I argue <laughs> with him. It's like, come on, guys. However, it's the challenge to change. Okay, right? Right. And that has some significance. I'll take that a little further. So the challenge to change only has three letters difference, the LLE. And this came up in, in uh, my second master's degree for organizational management. And uh, study team was 
using that and, and they didn't have anything for the LLE. And I piped up, huh, liabilities, limitations, and excuses, right? So as long as we consider those things, and those are all personal, we tend to project all that stuff or, you know, and when you deal with those liabilities, limitations, and excuses on a personal level and you transcend those, then you really learn something. But you can't if you don't have the challenges. Makes sense. Yeah. How did you get involved with Jeffrey Mishlove? Oh, my gosh. Um, that's an exciting story. <laughs> in, in 1990, I started a TV show called One World. And I asked a, a lot of different people from all walks of life how they got where they were at, what fears they encountered, how they dealt with things from both inner and outer perspectives, how they saw the similarities in the people around them, things like that. And I had two people that I wanted to emulate. Jeffrey Mishlove was one of them. Bill Moyers was the other. And I hoped that someday that I would be worthy of an interview. I'm not worthy. Uh, <laughs> So I hope someday I'd be worthy of an interview with one of them. Well, in 2018, uh, one of the websites I cur or I manage, uh, I curate Ufology Press, but there's an ancillary blog that attached to that that has a voicemail message. The only contact method on it. So, and I had none to date. So I get this voicemail message. I recognize the voice. It's Jeffrey's, and my heart just starts pittering, you know, pattering, right? And he says, hey, I just did an interview with Jason Giorgiani about the Grays, and I think your audience might enjoy it. Would you please take a look and, and share it, if you would? And so I did. I wrote a blog. I posted it um, along with the, the video and shared that link with him. And I sent a copy of this book, Stubbing My Toe on Purpose, with it. And three days later, I got an email back. Hey, would you like to come talk about it? Wow. So on August 11th and 12th, uh, we were in Albuquerque. We drove up for it and we did two conversations on the 11th and one on the 12th. They were about the, the new world. And he was, these were his picks, too, which I was really um, blessed that, that he did that. The new world order was the first one. The sociology of ufology was the second one. And the third was on hearing voices. Because we all hear them, right? And so he thought it was good. And from reading my book, and, and Jeffrey's got a, a speed reader and idyllic memory. Um, so he pulled out a lot of things for reference so that we could talk openly about things. And, and I tend to be a blabbermouth. I, I, I'm open. I'm transparent. I'll talk about things to the best of my ability because I truly just want to share the experience Right. And my experience is the only truth that I have. And so uh, in sharing, the, um, hopefully, you know, it's easier to be authentic <laughs> in that place. Um, so those that's how that happened. And just for our audience, in case they're not engrossed in the in UFO, UFOlogy, Jeffrey Mislove, Dr. Jeffrey Mishlove is the host of New Thinking Aloud. It's a YouTube channel. Is that right? Among other things. Yeah. He, well, he was a host for Thinking Aloud on PBS for 25 years or yeah. so. That's how I first learned of him. And he has, he's got a doctorate in parapsychology from UC Berkeley, uh, the only one wow. that I'm aware of. And it <laughs> took him three years to actually get it approved. And so he's talking to all these people, experiential styles and researchers, Right. And they're talking about the plethora of topics within the parapsychology framework from UFOs to uh, remote viewing and everything in between. I have to ask you this. When you think about I'm an intuitive psychic medium, that's just my life, the way it lives. Like you're an experiencer. We have the deck of cards we get. We learn what we have. We, we do what we can. What is your viewpoint? Because I've had close friends who are spiritual that are also intuitive tell me they think the whole starseed thing, that they think certain people who are intuitive might have connections to other sources of knowledge. And I wanted to ask you if you have any opinions about anything like that regarding paranormal type circumstances and the ability of one's mind to say, for example, be intuitive and psychic beyond sure. what traditional uh, societal norms have, have you know, been able to grasp. 
how someone can connect with the other side, for example, if you're a medium or if you get paranormal stuff like premonitions or you can read energy or whatever it is. I want to see if you had any knowledge or any opinion about that and its connection to possible. Oh, I always have knowledge. <laughs> and sometimes I have knowledge. So consider what I said earlier about the cosmic consciousness condensing into form. All right. So that uh, essentially we have that point of light, as I described those things earlier. So that point of light is within us. Now that point of light bounces back and forth between here and the great light, however many lifetimes. Right. And so as we grow in our understanding and our experience, we become better connected. Right. So, and through those trials and tribulations, we grow an understanding and then get to a point where we can actually be conscious helpers, volunteer, if you will, for accelerating consciousness in a community, in a, a city, nation, in a world, right? And so all of these, especially right now, you know, there's this, it's like a collective messiah, uh, if, for lack of a better, because there are so many people, there's points of light maybe that I saw that I kind of felt like they were in uh, or already in body, but maybe just, but I didn't have the awareness of it yet. So there's all of these people popping up now coming out of COVID that are, they're reaching out to each other and they're starting uh, groups or they're continuing groups or, and evolving to where they're really looking at, okay, how can we use our skill sets to better the world? And these are some that I'm connected with are really high level skill sets, right? Sure. And in this process, it, it also aligns with what Jose Arguez had talked about in the segue between ages of Piscean and the Aquarian age in that, uh, in that 50 year window, he talked about there's this 25 year escalation of awareness and consciousness up to the solstice in 2012 uh, winter solstice. And then you have a tipping point. Well, what happens after that? Well, the natural inclination, once you've become this, right, your life goes back into whatever you're doing. And so this new awareness and consciousness or new living awareness, if you will, extends into your workplace, into your relationships, into everything around you. And you begin to connect with others through synchronistic, you know, uh, quantum entanglement experiences. And you recognize each other, you know, you can be in a store, you get, an, uh, you know, you just glance and you connect, eyes connect. It's like, oh, there's something there. Well, follow that, right? Don't just let it go because that's usually what we do. But when there's an eye contact, that's soul to soul. Right? Do, you think, do you think that might be something like soul contracts or soulmates or any of those kind of things that you think that those are also intertwined? I think they are. And that's you know one of the things that the Ashtar Command is about. And that uh, group has been banding about for a while. And, and there's pros and cons as to how that's viewed. Uh, from my perspective, I was introduced to it in my late 20s and, and have been said that, um, that I'll even, uh, and this has been said by others, and, and it, I can't say it doesn't resonate. Uh, I'm supposed to be the son of Ashtar and Athena. So who are the, the commanders of the uh, Ashtar command? Well, they're at such a level of intelligence and consciousness that they basically kind of oversee those who have advanced to the point that are here for purpose that, that have a perfected form fit and function in the world that they are aware of right and so this the universe is interconnected and, and there's all kinds of networks in it we just don't understand all those networks yet we barely understand that we've got a holistic system of several networks in our body you know the you Interesting you're saying this, right? And I'm just thinking of myself in my own life right now. In the last few months, I've noticed overlapping synchronicities in my life leading me in certain directions. My podcast going one way and personal relationships and friendships going a certain way and things that I've manifested are happening faster than I expected. And I, I think that that has to do with the cosmic consciousness that you're talking about. I feel like those- Even more so, time. it has to do with what you're giving 
attention with intention and interaction, right? It's the law of attraction on steroids. That's what I was about to tell you is that I feel like the law of attraction in my life has been on steroids in yep. the sense that if I, yeah, I knew that I'm a little psychic too. I know you're, you're not just a little psychic, but let's, <laughs> let's be honest with each other here. All right. Uh, I know you're intuitive and I know you're very much open because of your experiences, especially near death experiences. I feel like they open us up. They make us spiritual. We have an awakening. We're informed. So, you know, interesting as that is, I think that we're in a, a renaissance right now. And I think we may have talked about that. I, I think spiritually we're in a renaissance and I believe that the, the spiritual component of our lives it's coinciding with us knowing more about UFOs and advanced intelligent and life ourselves. and ourselves and ourselves because it's not separate. Everything happens in it's one, sequence, right? It's um, what they call it contiguous. Yes. Right. So that means that everything, multiple layers happening simultaneously, right? It's like a construction project. One of the hats I wear is I do partnering workshops for building road and bridges. <laughs> Right. And, and here's a guy with as far out as what you've heard me talk about doing some very concrete, literally things. Right. And, and I'm well respected in that industry. Um, and yet there's these applications of intelligence and uh, protocols, processes, patterns, form, fit, function, uh, strategies. All of these kinds of things work ubiquitously. You've just got to understand that it's all built that way and you find it everywhere. Let me ask you this. I'm going to pick your brain for a minute. Okay. How many books have you written to date on this topic of UFOlogy and higher consciousness and synchronicities? And I see them behind you. If anyone's watching the video, they can see a plethora. Right. Um, I don't know, 17, 18. In 18 uh, books, I, I let's have, say. I have some um, a little more on the business side. Like I read a, a LinkedIn workbook back in 2014. Um, I have some transformational coaching books that don't get into that. I have some that uh, are um, a little, yeah. actually, I, I think all of them has some inkling or at least mention or, or um, something like that, because that's, it's all connected. And so oh, how can I, I want to peel back that? the onion for a minute? You've written a lot. You've done a yep. lot. I want to peel back from my audience. If I peel back your the onion of your thought processes, because this is not going to be easy, but I just want to ask this anyway and see what we get. If we peel back the onion, based on all your experiences, all your wealth of knowledge, your wealth of intelligence, high intelligence, high analytical abilities, I sense all that about you. If someone in the audience is thinking to themselves, okay, I get it. I've heard about these UFO disclosure projects. I've heard about other life out there. I understand there's so much money being wasted trying to find out where we are with that. And if you were to answer that question to a person in a simplistic way so that they could understand it, basically a soundbite. If you took your 18 books and put it into a soundbite about alien life and how we should understand our role in the universe, what would you say to that person? Hmm. Life forms beyond our physicality are complementary. They are there to support our evolution. Our choices are what make the difference. We can either be afraid of it or embrace it. If you're going to be afraid of it, you're going to produce fearful events in your life because that's how you're going to see it. If you're not afraid of it, you know, the fearless side of things. And, and if you're truly a spiritual being, it's focused in love, unconditional love. So there is no fear or ought not to be. And in that place, you see clearly. And so all of this kind of um, makes sense common, right? Uh, and to yourself. And uh, I guess that's kind of it in a nutshell. Now, so can I, can I, respond. I love the way you just couched that. And what I mean to say is basically any advanced life that comes to our planet, they're not here to hurt us. Even um, a retired defense minister from Canada, Paul Hillier, announced that years ago. They know that there's no threat from space. So, so if we take the threat away, like it's not, it's not like that. And we have an economy that's threatened. 
because most of the the economy on the planet is built around the military. Well, we have the yeah the industrial military complex kind yeah, of military thing. industrial complex. Yeah, and yeah. You can't believe how many jobs are tied to that, <sighs> right? So, and and we don't think about that. We do feel that there's a way to to redistribute that or those dollars towards productive things, and we could. However, that takes a massive upwising in this we set that calls for change and has and, and, and won't suffer any less right where do you see us on let's say zero represents society unable to accept the realization that we are not alone versus 10 we embrace it and our society evolves in the best direction possible because of it where well, do you me, see us going with that? Let me answer that from a, probably a different perspective than, than you might be anticipating, although maybe not. Um, <laughs> one of the websites I manage is Independence Arizona. And I it's basically the independent party uh, domain for Arizona. The independent party does not exist yet. So I've got all the things there to create it in a very simple, matter of fact, point and click kind of way. Um, it's been up for almost a decade now. And there's not a lot of interest in it, right? And and I have things up there about making sense common, about doing the right things educationally, environmentally, uh, energetically, yeah, or energy production-wise <clears throat> as well. So uh, I don't think we're ready for it yet. We're still too fearful about what's happening. And we're not even concerned about our neighbors yet, mm. right? We're right. living in cities with walled communities and you're lucky to know your next door neighbors on either side let alone the one behind you and certainly not everybody on the block <laughs> right so we've been bad neighbors we're not yeah. even in the neighborhood yet we're not even worthy of knowing right <laughs> um and so there really isn't a beautiful day in the neighborhood yet <laughs> right fred was so right you know and, and uh, so these are the kinds of things that offer evidence of our progression. And if we don't see that, these are practical and pragmatic examples, right? Uh, think People may be thinking about these things. The action is where it comes in. We have to have actionable items on the agenda That's in right. order to fulfill that, the shift from profit over people and planet to people and planet over profit. How we now, do that. And we're we're only into so thinking about back to what Jose was talking about in the, the shift, right? So as we put this new consciousness and awareness or, or live this new living awareness in reality, everything that doesn't mix with it is going to come up for view. And especially right now, we see everything. It, it's so transparent that you know even a blind person can see it, right? So recognizing that kind of also shows, all right, we've got some work to do, right? So it's not that it's impossible. It's totally possible. And one of the things that um, the people from elsewhere told Smith was that time is a measurement of the change of entropy. So think about a, a planet, you know, that has less entropy or a life, even an individual life that has less entropy. I can't tell you that the shifts just in the last few years since I got remarried and the shift in entropy in my life and what's come because of that. Can you give an example of that for our audience when you say shift in entropy and the benefits, for example? <clears throat> okay, so entropy can be seen as, you know, just being all stressed out over stuff, right? The chaos in your life and oh, yeah. you know, how to manage it, right? And so entropy is the theory that um, a system on its own will gradually decay into chaos, right? Now, I believe just the opposite. When you allow things and you aren't pushing and pulling your own agenda, unless it's a pure one, which basically when, you're, when you show up authentically and empty, then you're available, right? And you can be vulnerable. And that's a strength, 
right? So when you're in that place, then everything around you shifts. It's like you're you're the way you see the world changes. The world doesn't change how you That's see your it. paradigm. Your paradigm. And, and so in actuality, the world does change because the way you're interacting with it changes and the way it interacts with you is reciprocal. So instead of, you know, all the, the Michigas, right? So like when we first got together, my wife's a piano teacher and uh, she had just a few students. She was working for a music school within a year. She had, we worked together on this. I built her website, the Google business page, Facebook page, all that kind of stuff, right? Because that's another hat that I wear as I do web development. Um, So within a year, she had 30 students and no longer working at the music school, making the same money per hour as she was at the music school, but she was only getting, you know, like 60% of it from them. So that all changed my income changed. I started getting jobs that would just pop in out of nowhere. And with the multiple hats I wear, I love diversity, right? I get bored easily. when I can tell by all the educational, (laughs) I got a lot of education on my belt and reading your intro earlier, I was like, wow, you've got a lot of broadband, a a broad, a broad spectrum of education under your belt and a lot of opportunities and said, yeah, I love it though. Right. You haven't cut yourself off from doing anything. You've embraced all possibilities. Absolutely. And, and it's a holistic installed approach to opportunity. Absolutely. You know, and, and when you pay attention to what's in front of you, you're not looking at the horizon. <laughs> That's true. Right. And most of us look at the horizon thinking, oh, someday maybe. Right. Instead of looking at you, you got a goal now as a business coach, this is what I work on. You, you start with the end in mind. Right. And then you back it out and you figure, OK, what do I need to do every hour of the day in order to accomplish my goal? And then you set up a schedule and a plan and you work it. It's that simple. Right. I, I'm going to say two things to you. Our interview tonight is flying by, and I do not feel like one interview does this justice in terms of oh, your wealth of knowledge. It's like we're only tipping the tip. We're only, we're only touching, scratching the tip of the iceberg. Oh, yeah. There. I didn't even get to talk about uh, anal, anal, uh, alien agendas and anal probes. Right? <laughs> what I would like to do is have an, another interview with you so that we could break this down. And if you're, if you're interested in that, I'd love to extend. Oh, the absolutely. You know, this kind of stuff really can't be covered in, no. in an hour. I I just love the idea to be able to have you like share your knowledge base with our audience, getting thought provoking answers to my questions. Like the ones we've gone over today. I just think it's, 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 it's entertaining for one. Secondly, it's important because I think it's great to present your viewpoints to my audience because of how important I shouldn't use the, import, the word important, how critical, how critical it is that you're able to give us answers about all these ideas that most people just think about in passing. And you'll see a, a clip when you watch like CNN or MSNBC, they'll show this grainy video imagery of like a fighter jet. And there's like this object going like this. And then they'll be like, UFOs, are they real? And then they'll call on some person that's been like, you know, in the, in the, in the UFOlogy thing, but you don't get a complete picture of these concepts. You don't, it's, it's, it right. yeah, most of those are researchers. They're not experiencers. And yeah, it's and a I want a different perspective. I mean, I've watched enough ancient aliens, and I know that's not a, a broad spectrum of knowledge for myself. It's more entertainment value. But George is a great guy. I want the show to kind of have this as a, as an opportunity to look at this stuff with serious set of lens and and be able to really digest it. So that's what I was saying. We could do a, we could do another interview and, and kind of plan out from there and see how we go. But I would love to do that if you have the opportunity to and you're open to it. I'm I think we can do a lot of great things. Opportunity is another question, right? Uh, yeah. Every, yeah. We do need a schedule. Right? Yes. Yes. And, yeah. uh, and that's the thing about, you know, maybe this is one of the parting things that, that we can just mention is that you can do anything you want by asking the right questions of how it is done not how you think it ought to be, right? Because the answers are within whatever project or or thing you're trying to to create. All you got to do is learn how to ask the right questions for it to unfold. Well, I I had to ask you the questions I asked you tonight because those are basic core questions that I would want to sit down with someone like you to ask for my audience because – when you look at the breadth of knowledge that you have from your life experience and all the things you've accomplished, 
I don't think many people really understand the way you look at things. And that's what I'd like to equalize a little bit better. Get your perspective and help. I'm a rare bird. Life. That's for sure. And, right? But I think there's more of me that are reticent to talk about it. I'm excited about that. And I, I mean, you know, it, I, I want to approach this and take everything as serious from a real um, broad perspective, you know, not as a, I'm not a skeptical at all because I've had my own experiences, but there'll sure. be people in my audience and the general public that are skeptical. And, and I don't want to, you know, allude that I got all the answers to that. No, I don't expect you to either, but uh, you can give an opinion and that's what matters. I, and it's usually based on my experience and what I know from uh, a cognitive scientist standpoint of studying patterns and processes and things like that and what we can likely anticipate by certain things. It's just exciting for me to have that opportunity and share that with the audience and give them the chance to kind of digest it. So that's why I think it'd be a great uh, circumstance. I'd certainly be open to it and I'd be honored by it, Jason. Yeah, I'm honored as well, sir. <laughs> and we can we can collaborate with each other. I didn't mean to have that conversation during your interview because I'll edit out some parts of this. But I think I think from my viewpoints and looking at your information and just everything you, you're, 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 you're knowledgeable about what you know to be the basics, the questions you're being asked, the things, the the processes you've gone through, because I don't want to miss any steps, if there are any, right? Uh, and there are, actually. Well, uh, you know what else? We don't have to rush through this. That's the beauty of it. Time's on our side. You don't have to rush through and pop out one, two, you know what I mean? We could plan this in, in further yeah. detail beyond just- well, I get excited when I'm talking about stuff. And so you know, the, the fast talker comes out. We both talk fast and yes. I've always been told by my family, slow down. And I'm like, you know what, when you're excited about something, there's no, there's no speed limit on excitement. Excitement is what it is. Yeah. Our audience can pause, replay, hear us interact with each other. We'll talk as fast as we want to, because we're excited about the topics. You know, somebody mentioned to me long ago, you ascend at the speed of surrender. <laughs> by letting go, you grow. Right. right. Let me ask you this just for today. Sure. I am calling you, but we are going to, before we hang up today and we're stop recording, I will set up another time for us to do this because I want to continue okay. our conversation. But for this soundbite of this episode, tell our audience where they can find you just in case anyone has specific questions about what we've discussed during this episode today. Sure. My digital vitae is at zenbenefield.com. And the other websites that I manage uh, will be available. Uh, there's a series of buttons across the top that be careful. You know, because they're, they're rabbit holes and I hope you don't get lost. But if you do, <laughs> you know, there, there's ways to climb out and to contact in each one of them. And that's probably the best. There's samplings of my work there and, and shows and websites and books, CDs. I'm also a musician. So there's some uh, old CDs of music that we uh, put together. I, I like the idea of coming into the quest of truth and unearthing the truth as part of the process of discovering not only ourselves and what's in within ourselves, but what's we're a larger part of without meaning outside of ourselves. And, and, and it's like, all a shared experience. Well, you know what else I like too about talking to you today? I like the fact that you're able to talk to me and you're like, Jason, aliens exist. We are one. And guess what? They're not going to hurt us. The only thing that can hurt us is ourselves, our fear, our recalcitrance, our skepticism, our, one upper, you know, we're better than you, us versus them, all those divisions that exist in society, like a, a cracked A shell. Right. What we really need to do to prepare ourselves for evolving as a planet is to bring ourselves together, amend. You can't grow until you grow. Exactly. You, know, you can't fully love another until you fully love yourself. And, you know, from those perspectives. So that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of things that, going on in the world that that aren't right, right? And that are uh, destructive, that are fear-based and, and that are harmful. And, and it's not denying that, right? Those things happen. It's unfortunate, they happen. However, there's a way out. And that's what I'm excited about tapping into. <laughs> How do we get out of it? What do we need to do? I, 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 you could tell my enthusiasm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. I love it. You know, um, it'll be cool. I just want to thank Zen for coming on the show today. And as I was saying during my interview with him today, this information is so amazing. And I think he's such an important guest to have on the show that 
I don't see this being one episode because of the, the breadth and just so much interesting things to unearth with each other. I think having Zen come back is one of those things that our audience is going to really benefit from because ufology is so important, but there's so much more than this. It's like peeling back the onion. As I said earlier, when you peel back the onion, you see there's so much more. It's like staring at the sun, but not seeing it for what it is. We need, we need to take a, a real good critical evaluation of these issues, break them down further to facilitate discussions that can help us understand these issues better. Because I think the more we're able to really grasp these concepts, the better our society is going to be with not only dealing with each other, but dealing with the world itself. And so I welcome you to check out Zen's website. I'm going to have it in the show notes. I'm going to have Zen back on. And I'm just so excited to have the opportunity of presenting this material to you, this information to you in a way that I hope you have an open mind and keep, uh, keep interest. And, and just, there'll be things you hear that you might think you don't believe yourself, but you know what? Most of the stuff, the earth used to be flat. You know, we, we've changed our paradigms over thousands of years, millennia, and we continue to grow. And I think our evolution is so important. And so it's just one of those things we got to take into consideration you know, change your viewpoints. Your mind should be a parachute. It should be open. It should be willing to change, willing to accept different points of view. And that's one of the things I really want to do with our show is present different points of view so that you can become better informed as our audience. So tune into this upcoming episode. We will have more with Zen on the show. I'm excited. And I just say, stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric acid. Electric acid.